podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. I want to talk about something that's very important in your life. You, you got to get this one down. You really do. Because there are going to be a lot of things in your life you're going to miss if you don't learn this lesson. How do I know? How do I know that's God talking? How do I know? And you know, there are a lot of people who really don't know because they do a lot of goofball things in the name of the Lord. But I want to tell you, it's possible to grow in your ability to know when it is that God's speaking to you. But I want to share some things with you about how, how it happens, what you can expect. And the first thing I want to leave with you is this, is that nobody starts out hearing directly from God. Nobody starts knowing God's voice. If you think you are behind because you don't know, nobody starts that way. In fact, we all have to piggyback off of someone else's relationship. It's often said God has no grandchildren. Yeah, but but listen to me. All of us learn from other people. We grow from other people. That's why in the New Testament, there's, there's not one, oh, there's just one, Verse written specifically to children. You know what it says? It says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. It doesn't say children, listen to God. For all intents and purposes, your parents are God. For a season in your life, I mean, they're supposed to be anyway. They're supposed to reflect Him. They're supposed to demonstrate Him. And so God tells us that we're to learn from our parents as we learn from those that are above us. And the same thing happens when we come to church and we become believers in Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 5, He said, I, I, therefore you younger people, and by the way, you could be a younger person and be 60, because if you're new in the faith and you're 50 years old or 60 years old or 40 years old, you're, you're still younger in the Lord. He said, uh, I, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. What this means is, is that you're to learn from the people who've gone before you. Do you know that even Jesus did that for 18 years? You know, he didn't begin his ministry till he was 30. And he was so smart when he was 12 years old that he was in the temple asking questions of the wisest men in Israel. And he was answering their questions. He was blowing their minds with the wisdom that he had. And his parents came and found him there. And they said, we, we've been looking all over for you because they'd left and headed back to Nazareth. They didn't realize he'd stayed in the temple. They'd lost track of him. And so Jesus went back to them and he stayed under them. And we don't read anything about him. All the movies about what Jesus did when he was a boy, it's all baloney. We don't know. He didn't make clay pigeons and breathe on them and send them off flying into space. That, 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 that's not the Bible. Uh, the Bible says that he was subject to his parents. I want to tell you what he did. He worked. And he listened to his parents and he learned from them. He was subject to them. And what I want to share with you is that we all learn like that from our elders. That's how we grow. You know, when I was first saved, I couldn't believe it. Every week when I went to church, and I went every time the doors were open. I went Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And if we had a revival, I tried to make as many nights of that as I could. And it was like my preacher is spying on me. Because every time I would go, I think, man... That was what I was thinking about this week. And lo and behold, he preaches on it. And listen to me. The Bible says, Blessed are those who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, for they 
will be filled. If you are hungry for God and you have questions and you keep going to where you're being fed, God will answer your questions. He'll, he'll begin to give you wisdom. He'll share things with you. The pastor will say things like, I don't even know why I'm talking about this right now. I just feel like I have to say, that's the Holy Spirit answering your prayer. Now, sometimes he gets a hold of people like that. I, I was preaching out in West Virginia one time, and I was talking on the subject of faith, and I said, you know, your faith needs to go directly to God. You don't mooch with your faith. And what I mean by that is you don't tell everybody else what you want. It's okay if, we, if it's a pastor talking about what the whole church is going to do, but, but when it's your personal stuff, you don't drop hints in your prayers and to all your buddies and all that kind of stuff. So I walk up to this guy, and he's got on this green coat, and I said, Brother, I'm believing God for a green coat just like that. Whoa, that is a pretty green coat, beautiful green sport coat. What, what kind of coat is that, he told me. I said, that's exactly the kind I'm believing God for. What size is that coat, he told me. I said, yeah, isn't that amazing? That's exactly the size I'm believing God for. I'm believing God for a green coat just like that one. I didn't know it. I couldn't see it because I was kind of walking in from the front of the church down on the front row. And the pastor and the associate pastor were sitting on the platform, and they were about to bust laughing. And the associate pastor kept telling him, he kept whispering, saying, you, you can't say a word, Pastor. You cannot laugh. They'll, uh, you, you know you can't laugh. And after the service, the pastor told me, he said, you know what? Everything you talked about, that guy does. He does that all the time. The pastor said, that was my green sport coat. He said, every time I wore it to church, that guy came up and he did exactly what you just did. He said, Pastor, I'm believing God for a sport coat just like this one. I'm believing God for one just this brand, just this size. And of all the people in the world that I nailed, I nailed this guy. So sometimes, you know, God is spying in, uh, on you and he is dealing with you. But let me tell you this. God loves us and that's why he will answer our questions and he'll help us as we learn the word. Listen to me. If you cannot receive wisdom from an elder, from someone who's older than you, if you can't do that, if you won't do that, you're not going to grow in your faith. I had this guy who came to my church and uh, he wanted to preach. And I said, it's your first year of Bible school. Be an usher. He said, but I want to preach. You're not ready to preach yet. I, listen, I waited a long time to get this pulpit, and I'm not giving it up to the likes of you. So you need to be a helper. You know what a lot of people think? They, they think that if they're not out front where everybody can see them, that what they do for God doesn't count. Not so. Listen, the Bible says we're the body of Christ. What are the most important organs in your body? They're the ones that you can't see. The stuff you can see is not as important as the stuff that you can't see. The stuff that's on the inside you never see, that's the stuff you can't live without. We can't live without those children's workers. We can't make it without those people who change diapers and all of our services. We can't make it without them. We couldn't have church without them. In fact, let's give them all a big hand clap right now. All of those people who work with kids, my goodness, God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I told the guy, God won't lose you. If you disappear for a while from the public view and you become a helper somewhere and you're off in a corner doing your work, trust me, God won't forget you. 
In fact, that's one of the things God loves to do. He hides people in these out-of-the-way places. Who would ever have dreamed that the greatest king of Israel would be a teenager keeping sheep for his dad? Who would ever dream that the man who was going to deliver the nation of Israel from Egyptian bondage was a little baby floating in a basket? Who would ever dream that the savior of the world would be born in a barn and put in a manger and grow up in a carpenter shop? That's how God does stuff. And so if God leads you to a place of service and you're not in the public eye, it's because he wants to use you. It's because he's got something great for you. It's because he wants to take you somewhere. And so I would say to you that if you want to begin to hear from God, help somebody who is hearing from God, who's doing something for God. And you know what God will do? You'll wind up getting the very best of that person's ministry. And here's what I mean by that. I don't care who you are. You always inherit something of what you've been under. And you, you, you'll grab the best of what you serve. I, I learned a long time ago, if you, if you want to be blessed, serve that person and, and God will give you the best of their ministry. There'll be something about them that you'll want to be able to take with you. That's something you need to do. All right. Now listen, most of the guidance that you're going to receive in your lifetime is going to come to you through the preaching of the word. Every time I went to church, I could hear those verses and I'd learn those verses and I, I'd been saved for about three and a half weeks. And my dad came in one night as I was getting ready to go to church and said, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to church. He said, no, you're not. I said, I can't believe this. What? You're not going to let me go to church? Nope. He said, you're not going back to your church. I said, do you want to go to church somewhere? You go right here in our neighborhood, but you don't go back to your church. I said, Dad, I couldn't believe this. You've you got to understand the home that I grew up in. We, I, I grew up in hell. And my folks fought all the time, and I, I lived with both parents. They, they divorced when I was 10. And so my dad caught me having wild parties. He knew that I had a drinking problem. My dad had to know all kinds of stuff I was doing. He never said a word, never. But now he's telling me I can't go to church. I couldn't believe this. My grades have changed I'm not getting in trouble anymore. I'm certainly not driving drunk anymore. Everything about me has changed. And now my dad tells me I can't go to church. And he said, if you're going to live under my roof, you're going to do what I say. I took my car keys and threw them at his feet. And I said, I'm out because I'm going to church. I probably was a little bit rough in the way I did it, but I still did the right thing. Because growing up where I did, I had a choice of living with my mom and dad, but I didn't know what I was going to do. So I got out and I walked out the door and man, it was raining like crazy. I thought, boy, I picked a bad night to do this. <laughs> I hitchhiked from Dallas over to Fort Worth to my pastor. And he was a wonderful man. He was in his 60s and he, you know, he pastored a little Pentecostal church, a lot of little sweet little Pentecostal people. He didn't deal with kids like me all the time. He didn't know what to do. He prayed over me at the door of his house and sent me back out in the rain. I didn't know what I was going to do. But, but I, I started hitchhiking kind of back to where my mom was. My mom was a drug addict. I thought, well, she'll be spaced out all the time, but at least I can go to church. So I was hitchhiking on the way back, and I started thinking about this verse. I just learned it, and the Holy Spirit brought it back to me. And it was about how the apostles were beaten when they preached in the name of Jesus. And they were commanded never again to preach in the name of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of that verse and he reminded me of that story. And it really applied to me because I had obeyed God, not man. And instead of being depressed about it, 
he reminded me of this verse, they gave glory to God that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And so the whole trip back home, when I'm not hitching, when, I, when I'm not getting a ride, when I'm not in a car with somebody, I'm walking down that expressway just giving glory to God. God, thank you. 17-year-old kid, thank you, God. Thank you for counting me worthy to suffer shame for your name. Thank you that I've been counted worthy to suffer shame for your name. Now, that opened up a door in my life. I wouldn't advise all teenagers to do it, but my mother's brother was a pastor, and he heard about what happened, and he came and caught me, put me through Bible school. I spent eight years of my life with him, helping. Uh, he helped me to get started in ministry. Listen to me. God always has a plan. But I want to tell you that we learn with the preaching of the Word. The Bible says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and he'll bring all things to your remembrance, the things that I said to you. So that's why it's important that you learn the word. My daughter, my oldest daughter, was nine years old when she fell one night while we were playing basketball in our warehouse. And she fell from seven feet in the air and landed on her head, and, and it created a blood clot on her brain, and the doctors didn't know if she was going to make it. It was a pretty pretty scary situation. And when that happened, I heard this one verse in my heart. Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus said, if you say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe those things that you say will come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. That's the only thought that came to my mind when they handed me the CAT scan. And when the neurosurgeon told me what they had to do with my daughter, and how dangerously close to death she was. And when I had to sign papers permitting them to operate on her, and I had to promise not to sue the hospital if she came up blind or if she was mentally retarded after the surgery or if she died, there were like 50 different things that could have happened because of them exposing her brain. And the devil was, I mean, firing thoughts in my head faster than you could shoot a machine gun. And, and it was coming so fast. And... That verse is what God gave me. It was a perfect verse for the occasion. I had learned that verse 20 years before, and I had never used it. I knew it, but I had never used it in prayer. I'd used lots of other verses in my prayers, but I'd never used that verse. But that day the Holy Spirit gave me that verse for that particular occasion. And I said, my daughter will live and not die. I said, she will recover. She will come out of the hospital early. They will evacuate this blood clot. They will get it all. It will not be complicated. There will be no danger to her. Because Jesus said, if you say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe those things you say will come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. That verse was perfectly structured for my situation because Jesus didn't say one thing about how you feel. He didn't say you have what you think. Man, if he said you have what you think, my daughter would have died because I imagined her dying. If he'd said you're going to have what you feel, she would have died because I felt like she was going to. All of my feelings were wrong. 
but I never spoke one word of negative thought. I never said one word about how I felt. I never spoke out one of those doubts, not one, because Jesus said you will have what you say, not what you feel. He said, you say to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe those things you say will come to pass. I believe that what I was saying was going to come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. You see, you can have doubts in your mind, and they want to go to your heart, but they have to ride the elevator. And if you purpose not to let the elevator get past this right here, if you keep the elevator above this level and the elevator can't go to here, you will keep doubt out of your heart. She recovered. We went home early. In fact, about two or three days after that, she was playing touch football with the boys in the living room with a sock. And they were all on their knees. And she's got this bandage around her head. And I said, Charity, honey, please, no football for about six weeks or so. Okay, baby, um, wait just a little bit till your head heals up. They just cut your head open. And I would prefer it if you not play touch football. But she's perfectly normal today. Got three little boys. What would the Holy Spirit sound like? He would sound like the Bible. The vocabulary of the Holy Spirit is the written word. If you want to know what he says, learn your Bible. That's how he speaks. He's going to speak the Bible. Now, another thing I want you to see, the Holy Spirit guides us through this thing called the inward witness. Now, you guys are real good at this. Some churches are not. My church is a real quiet church. And it's because I grew up teaching kids, and kids don't say amen a whole lot. So I never left time for anybody to say amen because I didn't expect I was going to get it anyway. And so our church is, is just, it's just one of those things that happened over the years. They're real quiet. You guys say you, you're really charged up, and I like that. You know what you're doing? You're doing what our brothers and sisters do in African-American churches, and you guys know what I'm talking about, where the pastor will say something powerful, and then he'll ask this question, Can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about. So what's he saying? He said, I want to hear an echo. Oh, oh, oh. I don't want to just say this myself. I want you to come back. That's what a witness is. Well, the Bible says that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. When does he do, do that? When does he do it? He doesn't do it first. Earlier I told you he was a helper. He helps. He doesn't start. If you have a carpenter and he's got a helper with him, the carpenter leads the work. The helper hands him all the tools that he needs. If you're an electrician, you go to the job. And if you have a helper, he helps you get it done. The Holy Spirit was sent to be with us as a helper. Meaning that he always responds. He doesn't start the stuff. You're going to have to start. But when you start, he answers. So this is what I want you to see. A witness is a response. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits. We are the children of God. When does that happen? The first time you confess Jesus is Lord. That's why I love these songs, like the songs we sang tonight, where we're talking about Jesus being in us 
and Jesus is our Lord. When, why does the atmosphere get charged up? It's the Holy Spirit working with the words of those songs. And he's saying, man, that's true. I'm going to fill this place. I'm going to honor this place because what you just said is true. I cannot be silent. My presence is going to be here. I'm going to heal bodies. I'm going to meet financial needs. I'm going to change people's lives. How can he not do that when we are up here saying what he told us to say? He bears witness to what we do and what we say when we speak the word. Now listen, it's an echo. He does that when we confess Christ. He says, you are a child of God. You are saved. I noticed this. When I first got saved, I didn't feel much. And so I wouldn't say it. And my uncle got a hold of me and said, you need to start saying you're saved. But I don't feel like, he said, it doesn't matter what you feel like. He said, Jesus tells you in the Bible, this is what you do to accept him. You did that, you're saved. Start talking like it. And this is what I started noticing. When I would talk like it, I am saved. I am a child of God. I believed on Jesus and whoever believes on him is not ashamed. I started saying that, you know what? I felt the Holy Spirit all over me. He's doing what he said he would do. You got to give him something to work with. He bears witness to what we're saying when we're saying the right thing. All right? Now, this is the way that he guides us. He guides us through the inward witness. Sometimes he witnesses against stuff. Now, we have this idea that if we hear from God, we just get on our knees and pray, and God t lays it all out before you and tells you what to do. I'm going to read you a story about the Apostle Paul. And if anybody should know how God leads, and if anybody can hear God's voice, it ought to be this guy. After all, he saw Jesus. I want you to see this in the story. Acts chapter 16. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia, everybody say Phrygia. That's a real cold place. In the region of Galatia, everybody say Galatia. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Everybody say Asia. How many towns have we said so far? Three. We've said Phrygia, Galatia, Asia. Okay? Asia is not really a town. It's a region. After they came to Mysia. Everybody say Mysia. They tried to go to Bithynia. That's number five. Everybody say Bithynia. But the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Everybody say Troas. So we've got Phrygia, Galatia, Asia, Mysia, Bithynia, Troas. They went to most of these places, tried to go to the others, and every time they started to do what they were going to do to preach, it's like Paul turned to his team and says, This ain't it. Man. We're not supposed to do it here. He let them travel. He let them walk. He let them go check this stuff out. Sometimes you will not find God's will by being on your knees alone. Sometimes you got to go put some shoe leather on the ground and knock on some doors. I can't tell you if that suit's going to work just by looking at it in the window of the store. I got to try it on. I got to see how it feels. I got to see if it looks right on me. I got to get in that freeway mirror. Look at me from the back. I can't tell if I want to buy that suit or not till I put it on. And even then, I got to let my wife tell me <laughs> if I can buy it or not, if it's the right one. 
So listen to me. We have to sometimes try on the leading of the Lord. Sometimes before we ever start out, he will tell us what to do. But most of the time, he doesn't do it that way. Most of the time, it's while we're going, we're either getting a green light or a red light. And when you're getting the red light, don't do it. I can't tell you why. My wife and I one time had the kids. We were on vacation. We're in Denver, Colorado. We were staying there. and We were driving out from Denver every day. And we're on our way to Estes Park. It's a beautiful place just to the northwest of Denver. And as we were driving, I told my wife, we're not supposed to go to Estes Park. I just got this bad feeling about Estes Park that we can't go. She said, well, it doesn't matter to me. What else do you want to do? Well, let's, let's try some of the other towns around. So we went to some other spots, but we didn't go to Estes Park. We spent the whole day out. We got into the hotel room that night about 10 o'clock. And as we got in the hotel room, turned on the TV, the news said, latest on the flood at Estes Park. And that day, a dam broke in the mountains above Estes Park, and a wall of water came running down. I would have had my three little kids in the middle of Estes Park on that little stream that runs right down through town, we would have been right down there in the middle of all of that when that water, water came. God kept me and my children safe. I didn't, I, I, and, and it was serious. I mean, it, it, it wasn't even close. It was like, well, you probably could have. No, I couldn't go. I told my wife, I can't tell you why. It's just, we're not supposed to go. It's not that it's evil or it's bad. It just, he was saving us from danger that day. How was I to know that? So sometimes you have to put some shoe leather down to hear the voice of God. We, years ago when we first started a church, we were going to um, rent this building right next to the church. It looked, uh, right next to the building where I, my, my ministry was uh, located. And uh, I, 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 we didn't have, uh, we were meeting at school and I wanted to have a, a better place that we could lease and and so it looked perfect, and we toured it, and I brought advisors in. Everybody said, yep, this is it, man. This place feels so good. But I couldn't sign the lease until I had permission from the city of Tulsa to hold services in that, church, in that building. It wasn't a church. It was an office complex. And the leading oil man in Tulsa sent attorneys there to fight me, and the zoning commission ruled against me, and they said, no, you can't have church here. What made me mad? I thought, I'm going to do a little David and Goliath on you, buddy. You may be big, but you're going to find out right now God, God's bigger. But the Lord put it in my heart. Don't, don't fight the man. So I thought, well, God, where can I go? And there was a part of town I didn't want to go to. I didn't want to go. And there were empty buildings there. I didn't want to go. But I went back and I talked to the landlord over there and I knew the guy. And when he told me what the deal was, it was so much better than the deal I was just about to sign. And this is what I did not know. The part of town I was about to locate in was bordering on the fastest growing county in Oklahoma. It hadn't happened yet, but it was about to. God put me in a place that was going to explode before it exploded but it all came just because of, I can't do this. Now listen, here's another thing I want you to see. Why does he do that? Because every time it got tough, every time money was tight, I realized I didn't make a mistake. That other deal was not the best deal. It would have cost us three times as much money. I did the right thing. That's why God will let you try on certain things because later on, when you're in the middle of the right thing, even the right thing, you get tempted. You know, 
the apostle Paul honored the Lord in all of these things that God told him. Don't go to this place, this place, this place. Finally, God gave him a vision, and it was of a Macedonian man who said, come over to Macedonia and help us. So they said, we gathered that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel there. Now listen to me. Many, many times you don't find the direction of God with one thing. You find it by gathering, okay? I know I'm supposed to do this. I also know that I'm supposed to do this. And sometimes it's when you put all of these leadings together, that's when you really find out what you're supposed to do. You gather the will of God. So Paul went to Macedonia. They got over there and preached, and you know the story. It's in Philippi. He was... Uh, he cast the demon out of a girl who was able to tell fortunes. She was no longer able to tell fortunes after he cast the devil out of her. And so they beat Paul and Silas and threw him in prison. And so can you imagine what's running through their head? Silas is saying, Paul, are you sure we're supposed to come here? And he said, Silas, you know, we tried to go to Bithynia. The Lord said, no. We tried to go to Troas. He said, no. We tried to go to, to Phrygia. We tried to go to Galatia. You know. You know this is where we're supposed to be. We went to all those places and we had the vision. There was no doubt. But here's what happened. That church that they founded there became Paul's number one partner church. They supported him when all the others didn't. They were his best givers the whole time he was on earth. Listen to me. God knew what he was doing. He would have missed a great blessing had he not gone. So when the Holy Spirit permits you to burn a little shoe leather to get guidance, it's okay. Here's the next thing I want to share with you, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but don't go kneel and pray and spend a whole long time praying and try to hear voices. The devil can bring thoughts to your head. And there are a lot of people who get confused because they hear a couple of words and it doesn't make a bit of sense and, and it's not God. And, and they wind up doing goofy things and then their pride won't let them recover from it. And they separate from the church and they, they walk away because they're embarrassed at the mistake they made. And, and they, 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 they heard voices. Listen to me. When you hear the voice of God and when he speaks a couple of words to your heart, you're not trying to hear him. You're just asking for direction. And you, you, you come away and someone says, how do you know? I know. I know that I know that I know. I know. So don't try to hear voices. If God's going to do that, he'll do that. But that doesn't happen very often. And all the times down through the years that I've heard his voice, very few times have I heard voices, a voice I have always had that witness. I would almost call it a feeling. It's not really a feeling. It's just a sense on the inside. Uh, and it can be a yes or a no. But this is how God guides. Now listen to me. If something comes over you and tells you to do something and it brings a heaviness to you, it's not from God. Not from God. Listen to this verse. This verse saved my life. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I was in Bible school, and, and the Jesus movement had just broken out, and I had been a part of it back home in my home church. And, and so here was a 
guy at a coffee house who was a Jesus freak and had long hair and a beard and army coat and the big boots and all that stuff. And, and so I was a Bible college student and we had, you know, we had to cut our hair real short and all that. And I was wishing I could look like him, but I wasn't able to. And so anyway, I went over and sat down and talked with this guy and he started criticizing me being in Bible school. And he told me what a mistake it was. And he told me that it shouldn't be there. And any kind of organized religion, like a church where we take offerings tonight, he would have frowned on something like that. You know, all he was was just a hippie. That's all he was. He was a hippie who got saved and knew about that much about Jesus, and the rest was just pure dynamite. He's going to hurt somebody. But he told me I was making a mistake. And I went back to my dorm that night, and I started thinking what he told me about. And I felt like, I've got to leave school. And if I talk to my uncle that has supported me and helped me and he has been my guide, my mentor, if I call him, I know what he's going to say. He's going to say, that's crazy. Shut the guy off. So I'm not even going to call him. I'm going to slip out of here. I'm going to pack all my stuff in the car in the middle of the night. And I'm just going to get on the highway and start driving and follow God wherever he leads. How stupid would that have been? Okay. I'm going to tell you why just a little bit later. But there was a darkness that came over me, and I was very confused, and I felt like I had no faith, that if I really had faith, I'd do something crazy. You know, that sounds like the devil. If you are the Son of God, why don't you cast yourself down from here and let the angels catch you? You know, God leads his people in steps. You know what a step is? Something solid underneath your foot. And that's how God leads. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are of the Lord. And if somebody tries to get you to step out and there's nothing solid to put your foot on, that's a leap. You're going to get hurt. Don't do it. God leads all of us in steps and stages. I was afraid God would never let me get married when I was single. I just thought, he's not going to let me get married. He's going to make me be like the Apostle Paul. I'm not going to have a girlfriend. I can't get married. No. Listen to me. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. The thought of me being single the rest of my life was tearing me up. That wasn't God. That was just the book I read. <laughs> Listen to me. Even good people sometimes throw statements out that they need to be more careful about, and it leads to confusion, especially in baby Christians. So what I want you to see, listen, I don't have a call the mission field. I don't like the mission field. I don't like the smell of the Philippines. I've been there. I don't like the smell of Indonesia. I don't like the food. I've been there. I don't like... I don't like some of the other parts of the world that I thought God was going to make me go to, okay? I'm not a missionary, but I love to teach people. I love doing what I'm doing. I love reaching the people that I reach. And I love raising money for missionaries, and I do it all the time. And I've got friends that are missionaries, and they can't stand to be in America. They can't wait to get back to the field. They love all those rotten smells of things decaying and all of that stuff. They love humidity. They love walking in jungles. They love having to rebuke your food instead of praying over it. That's just how God called them. They eat it, breathe it, sleep it. They're having fun doing all that. They wouldn't trade places with me for all the money in the world. 
That's how God calls. So what is grievous for one, somebody else absolutely loves. <coughs> so what I want you to see is that God doesn't need you to take a leap in order to follow him. So let's go back and recap. You need a mentor, somebody you trust. Somebody you, 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 what would Pastor Randy do in this situation? That's a good question to ask yourself. What would Pastor Randy do? You can learn by following people like that. Then understand that God's going to speak to you through the scriptures. He'll bring scriptures to you. That's why you ought to learn the scriptures. And then you got to know that he's going to witness sometimes for things, sometimes against things. Be slow. Investigate before you commit. And then don't be listening for voices. And when God does speak, he's going to bring peace to your heart when he does it. That's how it works. You have been so wonderfully attentive tonight. Thank you for letting me come and be here. God bless you. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.